This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. You know, from 2017 to 2021, the number of minors diagnosed with gender dysphoria tripled. The number of young people who identify as transgender doubled, um, has doubled. The social media platform TikTok, hashtag trans, has logged more than 50 billion views. So how does a biblical worldview regarding gender compete with the rapid growth of transgender ideology that's on the Internet, in the schools, in the medical community, in the local government, and even in the halls of Congress and the White House? And remember, you know, it is an ideology. So there is a worldview through which one perceives the world that's part of the transgender ideology. But why is there so much support an affirmation for a confused young person to be given puberty blockers. But those who want to detransition get little to no support and sometimes even ridicule. You know, I could go on, but uh, one person who um, does have some answers to all those questions and even more um, is here to talk about his new book. It's called Exposing the Gender Lie, How to Protect Children and Teens from the Transgender Industry's False Ideology. Dr. Jeff Myers, president of Summit Ministries, joins me now. Welcome, Dr. Jeff. Hi, Lauren. Great to be back on the show with you. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. And I'll tell you, you know, it's getting dangerous really to talk about these kinds of things as, you know, from the perspective of not affirming uh, transgender. I mean, I was just on the website for the transgender movement and some, and they've got all the facts about, you know, uh, what's factual, what's not. Um, and then, of course, blaming, you know, right wing media for um, the lies that are being, you know, perpetuated in, you know, on sites like Fox News and, you know, whatever else um, among, you know, usually it's the uh, religious people. Um, what is your reaction to the pushback? I know you've gotten a lot. Well, I've gotten a lot of pushback, and my co-author, Brandon Showalter, who's an investigative journalist who's been looking at this issue for five years, has gotten a lot of pushback. But, Lauren, we've also spent a lot of time with families who are really in a tough spot. They have children. Often they have daughters who've had some kind of a childhood trauma, maybe struggling with anxiety and depression, a lot of mental health, uh, what are called comorbidities, who also then struggle with their gender identity. Even children who have uh, been diagnosed on the autism spectrum uh, who are really struggling with this. There are all kinds of issues wrapped up in it. But the transgender industry has decided that the issue is that these children's uh, belief about themselves is what is actually true. And therefore, they're going to be submitted to a medical regimen. The standards of care call for a carefully, highly choreographed set of treatments 
that move children toward puberty blockers, then cross-sex hormones, and ultimately surgeries that can cause irreversible harm and cost families and taxpayers tens of thousands of dollars per child. So it's the medical industry's dream. So all of this mm. stuff is all wrapped up in this. Uh, and then there's 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 not just one person who's a victim and not just one person who's a perpetrator. It's very difficult, which is why I'm so glad that you focus on how to understand things biblically, because you need some kind of a standard of truth yeah. that lies outside of ourselves. One of the things, though, that, that I've heard several times and I'm wondering why it's not more reported is how many um, girls who believe they're meant to be boys they're actually on the autism spectrum. Um, there's a great many of them. It's as high as thirty percent, as I've as I've heard in some some circles, and it could be higher than that. Why is that? Uh, well, there are studies on this, and uh, they are obviously ignored by people in the uh, promoting the transgender industry. Uh, but the studies seem to indicate that. Children, uh, especially girls who are on the autism spectrum, feel a sense of uh, social fear. Uh, they feel insecure. They don't feel that they're able to protect themselves. They don't feel that they understand what's going on in social circumstances. And many of them come to believe, as girls who've been abused come to believe, that they would mm -hmm. be better off and better able to protect themselves if they were boys. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying this as a counselor, I'm not trying to give counseling advice, but that seems to be essentially what is going on. And so these children are very susceptible to the social media contagion that is the transgender industry right now. I mean, it, one one poll said that up to 39% of young people are now identifying as LGBTQ. There's no way it goes from 0.1% to 39% unless there's a contagion taking place. What, why is it growing? I mean, what is this contagion or is it just multi-pronged? Well, you know, the the term transgender is kind of kind of cool right now. People, as you mentioned about the TikTok videos, 50-some billion views of the TikTok videos. Uh, uh, to be transgender means to be above gender. So you don't you don't have to submit to the idea of male and female. Your biology is not your destiny kind of kind of thinking. And a lot of kids go for this. I mean, we've worked in schools where being cisgender, which means that you identify with your biological sex, is a very uncool mm. thing to be or to do. I mean, think back into the 1990s when people first started to really pay attention to things like anorexia. Right, right. It was a social media contagion. Uh, it, well, it was a contagion at that point, not social media yet. But, but nonetheless, lots and lots of girls decided that they were overweight. And yeah, they, I mean, that was something they believed inside of themselves, even though the physical evidence was the opposite. Well, in those cases, no one ever said, hey, yeah, if you think you're too fat, then maybe you should try to lose a few pounds. No, that would be cruel to say that. Right, but with right. transgender, for some reason, we take the exact opposite approach and say, we need to give you medicine. We don't care if it costs $30,000 a year, parents. You're going to do this because your child might kill themselves. See, this is what I don't understand. Why is the medical profession jumping on this bandwagon you know, when it doesn't seem like the information is as vetted as it should be. I mean, especially the part where you've got parents who are being marginalized. You talked about in the book, 
you know, the professionals are handling the transgender treatment. They're told to encourage patients to, you know, you know, yes, you're right. You know, you you were born in the wrong body. And if patients is a minor, then they demand the parents do as well. Why is this coming in terms of, you know, we're going to take your kids? Well, in some ways, you can follow the money for the pharmaceutical industry. This represents a massive profit potential. Massive. We're talking billions or even tens of billions of dollars a year if you can open up a whole new line of patients for drugs like Lupron, which is used as a puberty blocker. This is usually used for men who have prostate cancer, helps arrest the growth of that prostate cancer. And I know men whose lives have been saved by it, women who have endometriosis. But it is it can be used off-label. And this is without FDA approval, by the way. I was going to say, this is not even puberty. approved by the FDA no. for this purpose. No. So here's here's what's going on. Uh, doctors obviously are, you know, smart. They go through medical school and you have to be pretty sharp to be able to do all of that. But no doctor can know everything about everything. So if something comes up and the doctor's not sure what to do, they go back to the industry's standards of care. So the American Medical Association, the Endocrine Society, the Pediatric Endocrine Society, the American Association of Pediatrics all have standards of care. They say when you face this particular issue, here's your step one, here's your step two, here's your step three, and so forth to move the person toward a solution. Well, transgender medicine standards of care were written by transgender activists. Hmm. This is something we prove in the book, Exposing the Gender Lie. There are more than 100 footnotes in there because people aren't going to believe some of the things they read. But we're citing actual medical studies and, and investigative research to prove this. In one case, for example, with the American Association of Pediatrics, those standards of care were written by a 25-year-old transgender-identified employee of the Human Rights Campaign who has no medical experience. Wow. Oh, my those, goodness. <laughs> yes. So now doctors are saying, well, I guess we need to do gender-affirming care. But what that means, and according to WPATH, which is the main standard of care for transgender medicine, you are to move the patient, first of all, to understand that this process is medically necessary, and that's quote unquote medically necessary, and that it involves, first of all, a social transition. And then if that doesn't resolve the sense of gender dysphoria, then you need to move toward puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones, depending on the age. And if that does not resolve the dysphoria, then you move toward surgery. There's no end in sight to this. This is not helping kids. Children who go all the way through the process have a 19 times higher suicide rate, according to the published studies. In the most recent study from the Journal of Marriage and Sexuality, I think I've got that right, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. is a it's a prominent journal in psychology. Just in January of this year, looked at 140 different studies and said our American approach to transgenderism is completely wrong. We need to move in the direction of where uh, countries like Finland and England, where they have said treating this medically with pharmaceuticals and surgery is not the way. Therapy is the way. And and Lauren, the reason therapy is so important is because there's almost always underlying childhood trauma, what psychologists call adverse childhood experiences, mm -hmm. that cause a person to have gender dysphoria along with anxiety, depression, and so forth. If you single out gender dysphoria and say, we're going to give you pills or shots for this, then you're you're leaving the real core issues unresolved. This is something that is very interesting because you've mentioned a couple of things that parents are told 
the suicide rate, it's almost like um, almost like blackmail. They're saying, would you rather have uh, you know, a dead daughter or a live son? You know, right. explain this sort of backing parents into a corner kind of idea about their child who's experiencing gender dysphoria. Okay, I'm going to refer your listeners to Exposing the Gender Lie because you need to read. There are several pages where I take each of these studies, quote unquote, that were done and take them apart. They are not valid. This idea that a child who doesn't get gender medicine is going to commit suicide is not supported by the evidence. Uh, I'll just give you one example. Okay. Uh, the, commonly, it's it's said that 48% of people who are transgender, if they don't get treatment, will commit suicide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or they'll be they'll have they'll they'll engage in suicidal actions or self harm. Uh, we do not want any child to engage in self harm. Any child who reports uh, issues or feelings of self harm needs help. Okay. We need to really emphasize that. This is not something to take lightly. But where did that 48% figure come from? Well, it turns out in the UK several years ago, uh, a survey was given to LGBTQ activists to hand out to their friends. Mm -hmm. A couple of thousand people took the survey. Out of the couple thousand, there were 20 some who were young, uh, uh, young adults who identified as transgender. Of those, 13% said they had experienced feelings of self-harm. There was nothing in it, uh, nothing in it about whether they had gotten treatment or not, nothing about whether they had gone through therapy for underlying trauma, none of that. It was just a questionnaire. In fact, when the author of that questionnaire and the study written about it was told how his study was being used, he said, it's very sad that people are politicizing this research. For their own agenda. Wow. Wow. Um, in terms of the puberty blockers, this is, I think, is a very interesting thing. We told before that this is not an FDA approved drug for this kind of use. So what are the yes. long term effects if a child is then put on these puberty blockers, which are meant for some kind of other treatment of adult male and females? Yes. Well, there are occasionally children who are put on these because they they have uh, something that, like aggressive puberty, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. puberty that that's that comes too early and is, is too strong and can actually harm the child. But those okay. instances are extremely rare. One child out of every, you know, th- thousands. So but when it's used in what's called gender affirming care, and that's a rhetorical term. Mm-hmm. When it's used in that way, the long-term harm is that children simply don't develop the bodies that they need to have to survive as adults. Mm-hmm. So bone density loss, in addition to all the kinds of issues that go along with any sort of hormone use. Uh, and it it's, it's really unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you have children now who have osteoporosis. Oh, my goodness. You know, 18, 19, 20, 21, they can barely walk. They experience constant pain. Uh, And then there are all sorts of cardiovascular issues that go along with this. Uh, You know, using synthetic hormones is dangerous even when they're properly used. The list of side effects is a mile long. Uh, But people realize, well, it's probably better than the alternative. Uh, But in the case of children, it's extraordinarily damaging. And this harm is irreversible. And if a child goes from puberty blockers to cross-sex hormones, there's pretty much a 100% chance that they will be sterile. They will never be able to have children. Now, 
the different standards of care acknowledge this. They say you need to talk to the child and make sure the child understands if they go through this treatment, they might never be able to have children. Mm. But that's why we don't say that children can give informed consent about these things. Yeah, They're struggling through all sorts of emotional issues at that moment. The parents are being told by the doctor, your child is at risk of suicide if you don't take the actions that I'm recommending here. Uh, all of that creates such enormous pressure that it's very difficult for children to resist. So it's hard to know how many children are actually going through these procedures right now, but there were 42,000 gender dysphoria diagnoses that we know of in the year 2021. It's doubled every year for the last seven wow. years, so it could be twice that now. And it's possible that 20,000 children or more are going through these procedures as we speak. I want to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. And when we come back, I'm going to talk with Dr. Jeff Myers about the sort of the spiritual aspects of, of gender dysphoria, gender ideology. We'll, we'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And I'm back with Dr. Jeff Myers, who's the president of Summit Ministries and his new book, Exposing the Gender Lie and How to Protect Children and Teens from, you know, the sort of the false ideology. Um, First, though, uh, Dr. Jeff, what is Summit Ministries? What do you do with Summit Ministries? We're focused on equipping and supporting this rising generation to embrace God's truth and to champion a biblical worldview. Our signature program is bringing students together for two weeks before they head off to their college or career, and 16 to 22-year-olds. And during that time, they bring all their tough questions with them about God, about economics, <laughs> about abortion, about ev- everything you could think of. And we bring together the top Christian thought leaders who love Jesus and who are experts in these areas. They know more than these students' college professors do and are more well-versed in the issues. And they help these students develop a biblical worldview and then know how to identify and resist counterfeit worldviews that will prevent them from living out their God-given purpose. Um, So let's move on to just the sort of gender ideology, and I want to get to the spiritual element of this because one of the things that, um, you know, I hear a lot from transgenders is that, you know, God loves me. God loves me the way I am, and this is the way God made me. What do you say to that? And if someone approaches you and says, God loves me the way I am in my transgender body. It's a conflation of two points, isn't it? From a spiritual perspective. Yes, God loves you. And he loves you as you. But that does not mean that your sense of yourself is therefore God's sense of yourself. You know, when when you come to Jesus, you don't say, Jesus, I'm coming to you only if you change your views and acknowledge me as I am. Okay, the whole point of spiritual transformation is transformation. So from a Christian standpoint, I, I think a lot of people in church have gotten really confused about this. Yes, we want to love people. We want everybody to know that you are made by God. You're an image bearer of his. But your theology and your biology come together. Scripture says that God made humanity male and female. 
that is threatening to some. A lot of people wonder about that. But when we properly understand biblical theology, we recognize that male and female are designed to harmonize together, to be different on purpose for creating strength in society. In the same way that two pitches of a roof lean on each other, either pitch by itself would collapse and cause damage. But when they lean on each other, the tension actually creates strength. That's a biblical vision. And we can go into more detail about it, but it just it seems like now, more than ever, it's important to emphasize to our children, you are not born in the wrong body. Forget all the stereotypes mm -hmm. of what the culture says, but you are who God designed you to be. Um, the New York Times had an article, um, I think it's very recent, about how ancient Judaism recognized a range of genders. And the article talked with a rabbi who is transgender, uh, non-binary. So what is your reaction to this? First of all, this idea that Judaism recognized a range of genders. Or ancient Judaism. Well, I, I'm not sure. I haven't read the article, and I'm not sure where that thinking comes from. When I go back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, it says that God made them in his image, in his likeness, male and female, he made them. Those terms male and female are not a range. They are right. either or. Now, when, when people talk about sexuality and gender, they often confuse those two terms. Mm. The term gender, from which, uh, which is where we get our word genetics, genus is you know, where it comes from, uh, has now been appropriated to mean your self-perception. Okay, mm -hmm. So Healthline.com says there are 68 different identified genders. Well, the truth is there are 7 billion. Gender is no longer a meaningful category because every single person is whatever they believe themselves to be, if the theory is true. That's why none of these laws that are being passed to protect gender identity even define gender. No, no mm -hmm. one can define it. No one even knows what it means in its current application. But humans are dimorphous. We are made male or female. There are 6,500 biological differences that have been cataloged between males and females. Uh, for females cells, every cell in the body, I guess with the exception of your reproductive cells, is stamped XX. And your uh, your chromosomes are XX. And for males, it's, it's XY. That's true at every single cell of the body. So people are being told. And there's even a major government official who's telling people you can change your sex. That is a lie. That mm. is not true. You can take medicine that will mess you up, but you can't change from being a male to a female or vice versa. You know, one of the uh, people you talk about in the book is uh, Dylan, I forgot it was, Dylan something. Mulvaney. Dylan yeah. Mulvaney, okay. Very, very, uh, well, must be well-known um, uh, actor, actress uh, who is transgender, and he, he, she did, did this whole thing, uh, presentation, and they, he, I, it's very hard to read. <laughs> it's hard to know. Yeah, you right. can just, uh, um, yeah, pronouns are a tricky thing. Yeah. I usually just stick with somebody's name. When they tell okay. me what their name is, I call them that name. Okay, and then Dylan yeah. had this whole scenario in this performance or he was, you know, celebrating 365 days as a woman. Um, and somebody brought up, he, he actually only started this as six months before he did this. So it wasn't really 365 days, but that's another point. But the idea was that, and I was struck by his insistence of being spiritual, 
of being, and I talked about this before, about how God made him this way, and he knows that God loves him. And this is a hard, you know, self-reality that's hard to kind of crack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how do, you, how do you love somebody? How do you love somebody in truth when they talk like that? And to millions in, the, in this generation, that to them, because, you know, passion equals truth. That to them is, you know, truth. How do we talk to that? Oh, there's so many layers to this. I have not had the opportunity to talk to Dylan personally, but when I do work with transgender students, and it's it's frequently in the work that we do, we're working with tens of thousands of young people. We're going to come across everything you can imagine. Hmm. So when I'm with them, uh, one of the questions I want to ask them is, what happened to you that makes you see yourself the way you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think often in in saying, oh, we're just going to create a gender category, fit in it, that'll solve the problem. We we aren't grappling with a lot of other issues. I have, and my experience is not universal here, but I have not yet met a young person who is struggling with gender dysphoria who has not also struggled tremendously with other what we would call comorbidities, mm-hmm. anxiety and depression being the most common. Uh, so I, I want to know what's going on. It, is there something that happened? Uh, could be childhood abuse. Could be an early exposure to pornography. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, a young woman who hasn't had a good female role model. And as her body starts to change in puberty, she feels threatened by this. Certainly opens her up to ridicule or maybe bullying by boys or by uh, other girls. And so she feels like she would be better off and more secure if she were a boy. Those are the kinds of things I want to get to. Um, Dylan Mulvaney is an interesting case because Dylan's a performer and loves being on camera and is getting a huge amount of attention. But Dylan is also, uh, in my opinion, a misogynist. Uh, When you watch Dylan's performances, it's really an exaggeration of stereotypes and a mockery of of womanhood Mm. and and i i find that really bothersome i I find that a lot of the uh, i work with a lot of very professional women they find this incredibly bothersome that in the in the in the name of trying to tear down stereotypes people in the transgender community often end up enshrining them the, the the whole drag uh, um, drag shows are like that, you know. The Bible, the 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 sort of drag you know story hours are like that, right? You know, it's just they, this sort of this sort of you know over the top impression of what women are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If a performer at a drag show showed up dressed like a woman would actually dress and acting like a woman would actually dress, there would be nothing interesting to see. Right. In 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 the terms of a, some sort of a special performance, um, it is the exaggeration. It is the shock value. I don't know how long that phenomenon will last. Most people, after one exposure, think, "Okay, I've had enough of the drag show thing." Mm-hmm. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like they're saying, you know, just like I used to go to the movies every month. Now I want to go to drag shows every month. People aren't <laughs> saying that. But you uh, know, so, I've, I've got a question. That I want to get to it before you know we're, we're over here. But is there a medical test, blood test, brain scan that can confirm gender dysphoria as a physical problem? No, no. There, there's nothing like that. 
There's no sort of brain scan that you can give. There's no blood test. It's a psychiatric diagnosis. It is in the diagnostics and statistics manual that is currently used in the psychiatric profession. All therapists would be familiar with that. Uh, but it but it is a psychiatric diagnosis. There are other psychiatric diagnoses for which you ne- would not necessarily find uh, blood markers. Uh, but but this is this is one of those. So yes, when people say it's a medical issue, mm-hmm. um, they're they're not being careful in stating that. What they're saying is they believe that by giving people pharmaceutical treatment and and surgeries, they can alleviate the symptoms. What we're interested in at Summit Ministries is going back to the root. What you know, how do we, it's not just about alleviating symptoms. How do you get at the root causes? What are the core needs of this child that have not been met? How can we meet those? How can we separate ourselves out from the cultural stereotypes and be patient with children as they grow rather than pushing them into these um, pre-existing, highly choreographed systems of medical treatment that benefit primarily the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry. Can parents demand when they go to a medical profession, can they demand that the medical person offers some kind of therapy first, um, you know, because one of the problems is you've got a medical community now that's being pressured to give drugs, to affirm, do the, do the gender-affirming care, which is puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and all of that. I mean, is it getting to the point where if a doctor refuses to do those things, are they going to be saddled with a malpractice suit or something? Well, that's a that's a, that's a very perceptive and difficult question. Uh, in some states, like the state of New York, the groundwork is being laid right now for a legal framework that would allow people to sue doctors who failed to give gender-affirming care. So oh, wow. yes, that can happen. Uh, there are 20 states right now that I'm aware of that if a therapist does not recommend gender-affirming care as the proper treatment, that person can have an unelected official yank their counseling license, destroy wow. their business. And in many cases, there's no judicial review possible. So this is this is turned into sort of a, a, a little mini tyranny inside some of these states. Now, I'm not aware of any counselors who've been prosecuted in, in that respect, but a counselor or a therapist or psycho, psychotherapist, psychiatrist, they're going to be a lot better off, in my opinion. And again, I'm not giving this as counseling advice. I'm giving this as religious instruction, focusing on trauma care, um, mm-hmm. because there's a well-known protocol for helping people who are in trauma. And it's very effective. And it can be very effective with children as well. The European countries that are moving this direction have found that 75 to 90 percent of the time, the symptoms of gender dysphoria dissipate by the time the child completes puberty if they've had the strong guiding influence of uh, good care along the way and not been subject to the medical regimen. Well, what are, you, what are your recommendations for churches, pastors, you know, priests, that sort of thing? Because a lot of this is filtering into the church because they do have, they do have a mantra to love. Yes. It, well, it, think of any other kind of dysphoria. If someone has anorexia, you don't love them by saying, you know what, you know, you should skip a few meals because that make you feel better. That would be cruel. Mm-hmm. It's not love. If someone has muscle dysphoria, which is a common 
thing among boys where they they focus on growing their muscles they believe their muscles are too small they might even want to go on on uh, steroids this was extremely popular in the early 2000s and there are lawsuits all over the place about this right now mm -hmm. uh, we wouldn't recommend that for boys we you know wouldn't be loving if someone is addicted to opioids you don't say you know how can i go pick up the more pills for you and in this case love involves communicating the truth you are loved by god and he made you as male or female i know it's confusing and i know it's hard to figure out what your identity is but you're not born in the wrong body and i will walk alongside of you will help you if you experience harms from other people i will stand up for you but we, we do not believe that the transgender industry has your best interests at heart mm. well dr jeff myers um president of summit ministries and the book is called exposing the gender lie how to protect children and teens from transgender industries false ideology uh where can people get the book and find out more about summit ministries Lauren, you can you can do both by going to summit.org slash protect. And uh, this is important to me, so I made the book available as a free download. So there's no charge to get this. You can take that link, summit.org slash protect, and download the ebook, forward it to other people. And if you want to know more about the Summit Ministries two-week programs for young adults to help them strengthen their faith so they can become the kind of leaders we need in our society, mm -hmm. summit.org. And those programs are open for registration for this summer. Wow, great. Thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith. Thank you, Lauren. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.